This is a Media 8 production. The first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet, tickles the back of your throat. The second beer, you're starting to enjoy it. You kick back, getting a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brent. It is. It's the third beer that where you hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right. And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. What are we drinking today, big fella? Um, we got, it's only just been released. New one. New. It's called Yenda Crisp Lager. Malt intensity hops, easy drinking crafted lager. Guy BWS told me it uh, is brand new and it's a ripper. So on the back it says, amongst the fertile barley fields of the Riverina, New South Wales, in the small town of Yenda, sits a little brewery. Some talented brewers and a passion for flavour and quality. Join us with Yenda. Oh, hey, well, that was a good ad. Let's listen it? to the third beer. I hope it lives up to its title. So do I. Oh, oh there we go. We cracked the third beer. It's beautiful. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Third beer, Master Anthony Allen. How you doing, brother? Very well. Very well. <sighs> mate, we cool. were uh, introducing our uh, – our, uh, our uh, interviewees, but uh, we've decided we'd let them introduce themselves now. So You've yes. decided that, haven't you? Oh, I think we did last week, surely. Yeah, I just like the fact when you have your little bit of a blurb, but you don't read it. So how about you have your blurb, then we'll get him to introduce oh, okay. himself. Well, that's how a, do you know each other? Let's do that. I uh, met uh, Anthony through work. Mm-hmm. Anthony was a client and uh, he came in with and we uh, worked through some stuff as he was training for his uh, Queensland uh, boxing Masters Championship, mm-hmm. and so we did some uh, performance work, and uh, he had a lot of success, and we've carried on with the relationship. Rock and roll. There you go. So, mm-hmm. Master Anthony, CEO, Queensland Masters 70 kilo champion. Mate, uh, introduce yourself, give us a backstory, tell us a bit about you. I guess I'd class myself as um, just a local Gold Coast guy now. I was born and bred down in Canberra. Um, slowly made my way way up town by town. Um, ventured uh, from Canberra to Port Macquarie. Uh, that's where I started boxing. Port Beautiful Macquarie. part of the world. Love Port Macquarie. Little place down there called Warhope, which oh, is out in, the, out in the scrub. Pretty pretty good place to be a boxer. Very rough. Got plenty of practice. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Learned the art form. Learned the art form on um, weekends off. From travelling around boxing, I'd uh, go to the Port Macquarie Town Green and wait for the pubs to close and get into a bit of a, a bit of a punch up with a practice. The older guys, I was only fifteen, but okay. it was good practice when they were drunk. Yep, um, <laughs> and that I was Canberra and Street Fighter. These are things I never knew. It's interesting what <laughs> yep. you when you yeah, ask yeah, 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 yeah. Canberra Just asking the yeah, right yeah, question. Yeah. Played for um, when I was living down in Canberra. Played. Uh, rugby union on weekends for the Queanbeyan Whites. David Campisi was captain coach down hey, there at that, t- down at that stage. So, the camp. Oh, 
him and uh, my old man were very close friends down there. Um, weekends I'd play, uh, sorry, Sundays I'd play uh, rugby league for Queen Bee and Kangaroos. Um, but I always wanted to do boxing. Um, the Finally, my old man said, yeah, yeah, you can have a break from rugby league and start boxing. Um, so I went to my girlfriend's house that afternoon. I was really excited, spent a few hours with her. Started um, riding my pushback home at a pretty quick rate, excited about to start boxing, went over my handlebars and broke my collarbone. So Blimey. six months after that, we moved to Port Macquarie and started boxing there. Little uh, little hurdles along the way, mate. There always is. Yep, mate, so in Port Macquarie when you're um, at the back of a pub at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, what did you learn about yourself? I mean, that's, that's, that's intense stuff. Well, at the, at the time I wasn't really concentrating on learning. <laughs> I guess um, if I look back, I learned that I was a little thug. I had, um, I guess I had a little underlying issue there of, of um, I guess a bit of a violence problem back is, then. And is that because of the way you were brought up, do you think? Possibly. I've got a pretty fiery mum and dad. Yep. Um, especially my mum. She, she's got a real bad temper. My mum's side's Spanish. My dad's side's uh, Scottish. Oh, there you go. There's so a match a little, made in heaven. Yeah, a little bit of a... Spanish Scots. Yeah, my mum's... A, my mum and uh, her side of the family are pretty um, uh, wild, bad-tempered sort of bunch. So lots of blood. emotional, very volatile. Very volatile, um, yep, yep, yep. Physical even. Yeah, so me and my mum used to fight a lot when I was a teenager and I guess I would... Um, go out and sort of have a couple of beers down the town green and get into a bit of a fight and maybe that was take a bit of frustration out, possibly. If I look back now, I guess, wow. I wouldn't have looked at it at that point. Isn't that funny it's how like you can look back now at this stuff? Yeah. yeah. UFC family therapy. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So from there we moved, I eventually moved to the Gold Coast, um, I guess 25 years ago. Yeah, you're, years you're ago, a local now. Yeah, just, yeah, 25 just. years ago. Um, and believe it or not, I got a job in a plumbing store um, as a as a storeman and hated it, really wanted to get into security. So over the next month I had a bit of a venture of visiting nightclubs and seeing um, different security company owners and whatnot and kept getting knocked back. Was too short. Too short. Too short at that oh, stage. It was a bit of a. You haven't grown though. I haven't grown. No, no. It's funny and how was, that happens when you I was, get older. I was actually quite a solid boy too because yeah. I was into. Look at you now. You still are. I was into my bodybuilding. That I just oh, yeah. won the Queensland title. Uh, yeah, Queensland title in, um, the bantamweights bodybuilding contest. Okay. So I was short but very very thick and kept getting knocked back. Um. It was probably about a month in where um, a gentleman by the name of Harvey Lewis, who owned Lewis Steel Security, gave me a shot and took me under his wing and um, put me at at that point, I think it used to be called the Ocean Blue Resort. Oh, yeah, I remember the Ocean Blue. Yeah, Ocean Blue, which was pretty rough. Yeah, it was, they especially at schoolies week. Schoolies, <laughs> and they used to get football teams up yeah. and um, they used to come and stay up there when, on their trips away. So It's now a kids' hotel. It is. It's all especially just for kids. It's hilarious. It's gone from one extreme to the other. Well, they tried to have the a, Gold Coast. They tried to have a mix, and it didn't work. No, <laughs> they'd have the families there and and all that sort of stuff, and then the football teams would arrive and the families would leave. So <laughs> they pretty much ran it like that for a while. 
Um, and that's where I finally got a crack in the security industry. Um, so why security? What what was it about the whole security thing? Was that just your size and because you were a, a thick set thug, as you called yourself earlier? Or was possibly. it because that was something, oh, gee, I, re- I really think I can do that? But why why security? Because security is not something to me that I think, hey, I'm just going to go and be a security guy. But a lot of fit guys sit there and go, fuck, I'll fit all footy players. You know, they'll, they'll fit into that security mould. Yep. I think it was, um, I think it was more that it's that type of lifestyle that I would click in um, because I was into the bodybuilding and lifting the weights and juiced up. Yep. Um, so you were riding on roids? I was riding up at that stage, yeah. Um, I did for about. Is it true your testicles shrink when you're on roids? If you're on testosterone, yes, okay. because your own natural testosterone shuts down. So because okay. you're you replace a, it endogenous um, sec, uh, chemical into your body, it shuts your down natural production. Yeah. So but you've learned along the way, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I did, I bet you yeah. didn't think well, you were coming here to talk about small testicles. Well, I've yeah, I've, I'm actually stuck on testosterone now because of that. Oh really? Yeah, because yeah. Of what well, you talk? Yeah, yeah. I shut down my own pituitary gland oh, um, wow. because I was on it for. I guess 15 years straight without oh, wow. coming off. So then when I went to come off to have a child, I had a pretty hard time yeah, for a yeah. couple of years but got a couple of children out of it and then went back on. Um, so I was sort of in that bodybuilding, getting as big as you can, getting into fights. So security was always going to be my calling card pretty much. Seemed to fit. Seemed to fit. Um Fast forward, mate. Now you uh, own your own security firm, CEO. Well, well, I took a break from it for for a while first. Yeah, I did. Um, I uh, met my ex-wife and we decided that um, we wanted to get married. So I got out of the security and got a job, uh, bouncing and got a job um, with security for Warner Brothers. Um, and I ended up within 12 months becoming one of the security coordinators out at Movie World, Wet n Wild and SeaWorld. Okay. I was there for about five years. Um, we both decided to get second jobs as we were saving for our uh, wedding and honeymoon. So I'd sort of dabbled in back into bouncing on weekends again and it was one of my clients that I'd, I, I did a little bit of work for when I was working for another guy that said, oh, you're back working security now. And I said, oh, I'm just, for a little bit, I'm just, he basically said, you should come and work for me. And I said, no, I'm never going to work full time for somebody again, earning my $20 an hour, standing on the door. It's it's all too much. And he said, well, why don't you start your own company? I said, no, I've never really thought of it. And he goes, well, if you do, I'll employ you. I did. Um, And then three months later, I picked up another client. Yep. Word sort of spread that I was back in the industry and running my own show, and then within um, now ten years down the track, twelve years down the track of owning my own security company, we've got over one hundred and twenty guards, well thirty licensed venues, and ventured into bigger and better things. Are you proud of yourself? When I sit down and think about it, yes, I am. That's yeah, I should be. I'll tell yeah. you, what, isn't that a good feeling though? Like I, I'm an entrepreneur myself, so I've done a lot of businesses and done a lot of stuff. One of the things I always used to, before I started seeing Chris, actually, I used to self-sabotage a lot. So I'd get to a point where I'm about to make a shit ton 
And I go, yeah, no, I'm not good enough for that. And I just wipe it out. And I and I do that a lot. And I've done it my whole life. Hence the way I my weight and all that sort of stuff. We didn't go through that. We've got to go there. Okay. Yeah. Let's time. do it. Yeah, I think so. One point three. One point three. Holy tooly. So I'm currently on a weight loss campaign. Yep. I started out at 121.6 kilos. It's coming through with the stats. And now I'm uh, I'm down at least 4.9 um, over three weeks. Good. So I'm That's intermittent fasting. I'm I'm uh, yep. ketoing up and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's How are you awesome. How feeling, bro? Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Congratulations yeah, I'm, I'm, on a successful business. Congratulations yeah. on 4.9 kilos. Thank you very man. much. Thank you very much. But the big thing is that I never used to be proud of myself. And one of the big things that I, the issues that I had before I saw Chris is that when my old man died is that I never heard him say, I'm proud of you, son. That I was, oh, my whole life was all about trying to make dad proud. Yep. But then what Chris made me realise was it's actually me being proud of myself is the only thing that's important. Like my family love me, they're all proud of me, like, but it's me being that. And that's the reason I asked the question because once you find that lies, oh, fuck, I'm really proud of myself. It's like, wow, <laughs> I actually said it. And then you continue and then it'll, it'll, you kick goals. Yep. Have you found that? Um, yeah, I never doubted myself work-wise. Um, even when I kept getting knocked back for being too short, um, it just drove me harder. So How I've, tall are you? Five, six. I don't think so. I reckon you're taller than Chris. Yeah. I think we'd come in at the same, <laughs> about the same, yeah. same height and same weight, yeah. probably. We'd fight in the same class, I reckon. Yep. Uh, so it's, even then I didn't let that set me back. I knew yeah. that I was going to be successful in, in security. Um, it's never been It's never been a... Um, question whether I'd be successful or not in my own head in that sense, security-wise mm-hmm. or so business-wise. You never doubted your ability to be a success and here we are today. It's amazing, isn't I it? I never doubted, it's no. set like a titan. Yes. Oh, it was always yes. going to happen. Was in automatic mode, yep. If only Everything other else aspects though. in my life. <laughs> well, I think you're getting there, mate. Yeah. Could yeah. be on the same par, then I'd be very happy, man. We often talk about our demons on this show and, you know, as, as you guys know, I'm going through a bit of a relationship breakup and uh, and the big, big fella over here has had his own demons. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, where some of these hiccups have appeared in your life in regards to recent years? Yeah, well, I guess my biggest downfall, which is pretty much the same as most men, in the world would be relationship breakdowns. Um, Business. I take them very personally and very, um, very emotionally. Um, I guess most people do in some way or another, but I find that um, I get a little bit self-destructive when it comes to relationship breakdowns and um, really blame myself for a lot of stuff. Um, I've just come through, I've just come out of a um, seven-year relationship that broke down nine months ago, still working my way through that, um, been ups and downs along the way. But come a long way, brother. Yeah, come a long way. So. Was that your wife you mentioned earlier? No, we were together for 10 years and we actually separated, it's it's a hard way to explain it, but we actually separated for religious um, differences. Okay. Two years into our marriage, she became a Jehovah's Witness. Wow. Yep. Um, was that a surprise? No, not really. It was a surprise how she'd become when she became a Jehovah's Witness, but the whole fact of her wanting to become one, I was aware of right from the start. 
Um, her family are all Jehovah's Witnesses and they need that as and a... she wasn't? She wasn't because okay. she was living with someone without being married and you can't be accepted into it, so she was waiting to get married. Um, but they sort of need it as a bit of a crutch to get through life and I didn't think that she did. I thought she was quite happy. We were, we were best friends. We never had any arguments. We, we never fought. Um, we'd go out and have beers together. We we had a really, really good relationship. Looking forward to having children. We ended up having a son um, and before our first, we separated a couple of times, but before our first breakup, um, she was really starting to push hard into becoming a Jehovah's Witness. And I found what does that mean? They, our religions are great. We, we talk about this all the time. I thought, I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. believe in God. Actually, yeah. no, I'll rephrase yeah, that. Yeah, Hang on. We go for this uh, every week. We do go for yeah, this. Yeah, right. um, I never believe. I don't, there is something, yeah, and I, I and understand. you don't like calling it God. I don't like calling it God. Let's God, go there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm so, the same. I'm yeah. the same. Yep. So so from that point of view, so how does, well, what is a Jehovah's Witness? What, what's that mean? To become a Jehovah's Witness, does that mean you're a happy clapper? Does that mean you're a... How does that work? I guess Jehovah's Witness is sort of a religion on its own in the sense that... So is there a God still and they, they pray to Jesus and all that well, stuff? Well, they call him Jehovah. Okay. So it's God, but they don't believe he's... They believe that in the Bible his name's written as Jehovah. They've actually... Well, is it a typo? Well... Jesus, Jehovah, no? Looking there is... No, no. I level? Level? I, I, it's... <laughs> My understanding of the history we'll, of we'll never We'll never try to work it out in a podcast like today. <laughs> I thought, no, I get that. And I, I may be wrong, but I thought the Jehovah Witnesses was, was that Jesus appeared to the American Indians after his death in uh, America. Oh, okay. And, that, and there's, there's the kind of history along that line where they, they, they pick that thread up and okay. they're a witness to Jehovah, which was the, the, the coming of Christ. Of them. So this stuff uh, really interests yeah, me. Yeah. Only because I'm not religious. Oh, that's probably better than I don't believe in God. I'm not. I'm not a religious person. Well, I can get one in here for you anytime yeah. you want, and they will talk to you for the no, whole that's day. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I mean now is exactly like like Muslims don't eat bacon, and there's lots of yep. different stuff. Like I could never become a Muslim because I like bacon too much. But the big thing here is like you're a, liking it less and less. No, no, I still love bacon, man. <laughs> bacon wins no matter what. But the thing is, like, so do they then not drink after that? Do they then? So when when she became a Jehovah's Witness, does that mean her whole oh, changes? Well, or well, well, this work? is less she about changed. you know. No, my son is interested in it. But this is less about you know, um, you know, understand that any story and more I about his wife's want, story. I just want to yeah. know what it means. Tell me. So we're not sure. We'll, we'll, in, we'll get a Jehovah's Witness in. No, I'm not sure. In in the way that she changed was instead of us being best friends. Because I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness and didn't want to go to the meetings and didn't want to follow that lifestyle, I got pushed down the list. Okay, that so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. First of That's all, what I was trying to get. To yeah, first okay. of all, to them, roundabout sort of, I was trying to shortcut it. So I was number one. Yep. Then we had a son. Um, I was number two. Mm-hmm. And she became a Jehovah's Witness. I become three. three, number three, and then number four behind her family down the okay. track because they were they all started getting very close and that together again. Um, and we drifted apart very quickly. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, very quickly. Um, she wanted me to sell the security company that that we built together, um, and become a bricky's labourer for her uncle, who's a Jehovah's Witness. Who's yeah. a Jehovah's Witness. So from earning five to ten grand a week, going to a thousand dollars a week, and working forty hours out in the sun, and being a bricky's labourer instead of running your own business, makes a big difference. 
it wasn't a hard decision in the end to leave. Um, I already felt like I was an outcast. So even the fact you've gone from number one to number four, that's very quickly too. Yeah, very quickly. Where do you think you rate? I'm getting back towards number one. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Like I got four kids, right? Yep. And I always, I always say that when my first child was born, it was like, that's a love you never feel for anything or anyone. It was just wow, like yep. this thing just arrived, and it's like, yeah, I've got to look after this now. And yep. but you just do. It just changes and stuff. And like when I, I got um, married at a young age, and I've been married for a long time. But and I love my wife very dearly. And the thing is, but what I find is when you have kids, you you slowly move down the ranks, right? Yep. But at the same time, as the kids get a bit older and they start doing stuff for themselves, you get rid of the car seats, you get rid of the nappies, you start moving back up and you become um together a bit more again. That's I right. think it's a good way to put it. But what we did through our whole relationship is we always had date night. So once a week, no matter what what how old the kids were, we went out and it was just us. And I think that's what's actually helped us. Along the way, you got interesting because what we had in my relationship was the fire test. My and my wife and I agreed very firmly that if there was a fire in the house, you leave me and you get the kids. Really, and she was the same. The fire in the house, you leave yeah. me, you get the kids. Kids were priority. And I think that's part of our relationship strain as we started to move apart because our kids had started to grow up and they were always our priority. And when we picked each other up around the edges, but we didn't maybe make that time to. To be number one. I think yep. you've got to come in and out of number one. But yep. the idea that you are number one, yeah, I think that's a fluid idea. Right. But if you don't reconnect, then it's always going to fall apart. Well, so I, was, you, I was starting to think that even if there was no one else in the house, I wouldn't have been saved. Yeah, so you, that's how that's, bad it that's got. That's not a good point. No, that's how bad it got. So I was pretty much getting ignored. It was a no-brainer for me to leave. Um, you think that was like a pressure for you to become part of the... Yeah. Community? Yeah, pretty much, pretty okay, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you weren't willing to bend and she wasn't willing to bend, so it was like a... Well, the more she pushed for me to, to change, the, the worse I got. So I'd start coming home later and then... Thug life started to come back? Thug life started to come back. There was a couple of times where I'd end up um, getting home at lunchtime, spending, spending the day with some of the local bikies getting around the Gold Coast, just doing silly stuff. Um, then I guess we were separated for a year and I think, um, we both sort of thought we'd have another crack for our son, um, because she'd pop over to, I've got myself a new place down in Mermaid and she'd call over and would pick, pick the boy up from me and spend a couple of hours. And we thought that we were starting to get on as friends a little bit again. Um, and then I ended up moving back into the house and within a month we started fighting, but we ended up, she ended up falling pregnant, um, which I'm very happy about because now I've got a seven year old daughter as well. Awesome. Congratulations. So, thank, thank Jehovah. That's right. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, but that sort of unfolded and unpacked again pretty quick in that, in that year that we were together, we built a house on the golf course at Arundel. So we um, pressed forward pretty quick on a few different goals, but unfortunately there was still that underlying issue that we were both two different people and we ended up separating again. Mate, so fast forward again a little bit. Um, we, um, I wanted to call this Tough Man Cry because your second relationship breakdown that we've kind of been working with, uh, working through, um, that kind of rattled you, didn't it? Yeah. It did rattle me yeah. because 
more than the first one? The first one, I was quite happy to leave because I was feeling very unwanted and I guess I could tell that we were two different people for quite a period of time. Um, and it makes it a little bit easier when you've got a child and you still you know you're still going to be connected in one yep. in in some way and sense. Wow. There okay. was no, okay, see you later. It was nice knowing you. It was yeah. a slow, gradual. Um, that still didn't help the fact that I pretty much drowned that out every weekend. Um, I'd go out and have benders and the weekends I didn't have my kids, I'd be pretty much a write-off. So I guess I um, numbed it out a fair bit. Whereas with the breakup I've just went been through, I decided to do it a different way. There was no going out. I sat with the pain. Oh, did we sit with the pain? We did. Oh, we did. We sat with the pain. Um, I actually don't think that I could have drunk. I think that I was that bad and in that deep of a hole that if I had went out drinking, who knows what how I would have been. Yeah. yeah. So I think I did it the smart way this, this time and doing it this way, I think I've got a lot more clarity out of um, what the breakup now, was about. not then. No. Or through the process. Or since you started through, seeing him. Well, I started seeing Chris from the start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have tried to press through for a month by myself. <laughs> and then um there was a couple of times where I'd have to come and see Chris a couple of times a week. And there was a couple of times where I was that bad I had to miss and then come the next day. So yeah, I was it was a bit of a roller coaster for, for quite some time. So how'd you find Chris? Actually through my ex. Really? I was getting ready for Queensland state titles and boxing now. Boxing, yep, yep. yep. And um, it was at the point where me and her started having issues of her own, and she moved out into her mum's. And I was fighting under a guy by the name of Michael Katstidis, who was mm-hmm. three times world boxing champion. And his son's a champion too, isn't he? Uh, or is Michael the champion? Michael's the Michael's champion. Michael's the champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah Michael's the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I started feeling a lot of pressure. I started getting phone calls from the Gold Coast Bulletin. Michael had been in and out of the Gold Coast Bulletin for a few different issues he had going on. And because he was so known in the boxing industry they and I was his first client that he was taken through to um, a title fight, they wanted to do a story on me and my anxiety went through the roof. I almost pulled out. Um, I came just, That's when I started seeing Chris for... Um, techniques to help me through the anxiety leading into fights. He got me through it and I ended up winning. I had two fights to win. Congratulations. Yep, yep. Champion. Boom, boom. Hey. Yeah. There's actually another little bit of a side story to that story. I, The night of the fight, the Friday night, I pulled out. I rung Michael, my coach, and went, nah, it's all too much. I'm not doing it. And his words were, oh, mate, I'm coming to see you now. Said, yeah, but I'm not going to go. He goes, that's all right. Well, I'm just going to come and see you. So he came around and we tried to do some warm warm ups in the backyard um, on the pads. And I was like, everything was in slow motion. I couldn't get my arms going. I couldn't get my legs going. I just had, I don't know if you've ever suffered from anxiety, but it, my whole body was <laughs> my whole body was um, pretty much absorbed in this anxious state. Um. We got from the backyard to the car. I couldn't start the car. 
his words were, do you want me to start the car for you? I said, no, I'll start the car. Start the, started the car. The car sat there in neutral for five minutes. We got the car in reverse and we got to the first set of lights and we pulled up at the first set of lights. He um, got his phone out and he made a phone call to Sydney and he called Johnny Lewis. It was Jeff Phoenix. Yeah, I know Johnny Lewis. Oh, Johnny, come on, yeah. Yep. Um, and he, he said to Johnny, Johnny, I need you to have a chat to um, one of my fighters here. He's having a bit of a hard time. We're on our way down to the Queensland Masters and he's feeling very anxious and he's a little bit unsure whether he should fight or not. He goes, that's all right, put him on. He goes, yeah, you're on speakerphone. He goes, how are you, mate? I said, not good. I said, the anxiety's got me that bad that I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. He goes, mate, the guy that's sitting beside you there at the moment is a fighter that I would trust with my own son. He said, if he, you, if he says you're ready for it, you're ready for it. He goes, win or lose, go down there and enjoy yourself. You've got a guy in your corner that will make sure nothing happens to you. Um, just go and enjoy your night. I said, okay, I will. So I went down. Um, I was walking around. It was at the uh, Kira Sports Club. I was walking around the Kira Sports Club with Michael following me around, um, metre from me the whole time. I went to the toilet. He was standing beside me at the toilet. He thought I was going to climb out through the bathroom window and and, and make a runner. And anyway, um, long story short, he he got me through. I won the Friday night and there was a massive um, pressure lifted off my shoulders. The Saturday night for the gold medal round, I had no anxiety and we got fight of the night. Awesome. And, I, and I won the, yeah, the guy that I fought knocked his opponent out in the first round on the Friday night, so it was a big hitter. Um, we knew it was going to be a good one and the third round I pretty much stopped him um, and won on points. So Well done. I overcome hey. a massive hurdle. That's awesome. And have you massive. had anxiety since? Only through the breakup. Yep. Um, Which, you know, how how different really is it? You know, the anxiety for a fight night, the anxiety from uh, exactly leaving, the same. leaving the loved one, it's uh, it's the same feeling, isn't it? It's, that it's exactly the same. You're stuck. You can't start the car. You feel uh, completely demoralised yep. and yep. hopeless. And can't eat. Can't eat. Don't do anything that you're no, supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, I do the opposite. You're the opposite. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some people can't. I can't eat. I, I remember going to the gym and trying to have a workout and then I knew I had to get the protein in the carbs in after the workout and had two mouthfuls and went home in tears. That happened on, I can't remember how many occasions. But so We're so alike and so different. It, it's amazing. Like what I do is I literally, we, we have a joke about this now, is I turn my steering wheel into a bag of chips. And what that means, I just pull into a servo, I buy a bag of chips, two chocolate bars, an ice cream and a bottle of Coke. Same thing, don't like any of them, yep. <laughs> but yep. I get there, I drink it, eat it, whatever, on the way in the car, I get three quarters of a... It often occurs when he's feeling lonely. What the hell did yeah. I just yeah. do yeah. that for? I think that's actually a better way. I think if you can actually get food into your body, <laughs> whether it's good, bad or ugly... Oh, I think it goes <laughs> either way, guys. You know, yeah. well, You'd have to see what I'm looking at right now, both of you. Two very oh, handsome yeah. individuals, obviously. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I actually lost a lot of weight. I, yeah, I was actually getting concerned about how much weight I was dropping so quick. I was lucky to have one protein shake a day and keep that down, which makes you more anxious. I think if I could eat, even if I was putting on weight, at least I knew that 
you bought, using it as a comfort. I remember you bought yourself a new car. Love bought moving. myself a new car, what, yes. What are you driving? I uh, bought myself a Mustang GT. Oh, Mustang. It's what beautiful. It's, sitting, you know, it's out in the, the car park. It's beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, driving down to Byron Bay and yeah, the sun's shining, your life's perfect, but there's this nagging angst, this nagging worry of, you know, yes. losing a loved one, of never reconnecting, of being alone yes. forever. Just kind of took you over, didn't it? Well, it doesn't matter where you drive to, I no. found out. I went to <laughs> Can't drive away from it, can you? Can't you can't drive away can't from drive it. Away from it. In, unless you can take your own mind and your subconscious out of your head, there's no escaping what you're feeling. So there was one occasion where i just finished with Chris and I said, I'm going to Byron Bay for the weekend. I thought I'd, I had this image in my head that I'd go to Byron Bay, I'd feel relaxed being in a laid-back town and book myself a motel. It was a living nightmare. I got there for two hours. My anxiety got so much worse. I thought I'd go into the main street and have a cup of tea. Ordered a green tea. Everything felt like a movie. People were walking past and I couldn't it's make slow, out. Isn't it? it's like it's just... It was terrible. It yeah. was terrible. I walked back in, I packed my bag and I gave the key to the lady at the reception. She said, that's the quickest day we've ever had. I said, sorry, I've got to go back home for work. And I walked back in the door and the anxiety calmed a little bit and I just thought, this is pretty much where I'm stuck for the moment. This is my comfort zone. Nothing's going to make me feel better. I've got to ride this out. So that was sort of a wake-up call that doesn't matter where you go, it's, it's going to be with you. That's where we get into the real sparring of our sessions and the learning to sit with pain and not turn away from it. We've also done this with Big Fella. So questioning both of you, uh, both of you, uh, what have you learnt? What do you understand about the centre now? Oh, man, got to love the centre. Hey? You do. One of my favourite things that I learnt was the knife can't cut itself. Because if you sit there and think about it, it's just so true. It's like it's just it's common sense, but it's yeah. so true. And it just every time I have have thoughts or bad things, or whatever, I just sit there and go, "Well, the knife can't cut itself." Like yeah. and you just sit there going, "Wow!" And then then you can sort of relax a little bit and get yourself into towards the center because you never find the center; it doesn't exist potentially. Oh, hey? oh, that's nice. But, uh, that's good. Eh? It's, it's kind of infinite. That. <laughs> but the thing that we we had this chat before we come on on, on the podcast, and and um, we got in trouble off Chris because we weren't recording it at the time, and that was actually about being in the centre mm. and stuff. And you mentioned that you'd been there now for what, a week. Yeah, well, this being is that, probably that relaxed sort of. Well, this is probably the longest time I've been in it since the breakup. Mm. Um, How long ago was the breakup? Nine months. Yeah, long time. It is. It was. Uh, Unfortunately, I'd been in the centre a couple of times along the way, but reconnected with the ex-girlfriend. Um, every time I did, the anxiety went through the roof again and I I was lucky to be in the centre one day a week yeah. at that stage. It was a roller coaster. I'd go from anxiety to depression to being sky high about seeing her, then anxious when when I'd leave and then the following day, Depressed from being so anxious, and it was a really bad roller coaster. Um, actually, this week was a really good week. We actually sat down and had a burger together, and I was very, hes- very wary and hesitant to actually do something with her because of the cycle that would happen every time afterwards. Um, I got in my car and I drove home, and that Santa was still there. And I wake up the next morning, the Santa was there, and it's still here now. So, it's that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So my yeah. kryptonite has yeah. a is um, 
starting to lose its power at the moment, which is a way to put it, isn't it? Hey, she was, she was my kryptonite. Uh, Nothing else could rock me. Um, Besides the fight, getting ready for a fight, anxiety didn't really exist in my world. Mm. Um, I could go to meetings with um, some pretty important people to do with movie sets or um, uh, hotels or you name it, and there was no anxiety. But when it came to Brody and the relationship breakdown, I couldn't control it. And so I definitely look at her as my kryptonite in that Ooh. sense, in the anxiety way. And once again, you must be so proud of yourself now because you're dealing with that shit. Very yeah. proud that I, I went through it the way that I did. Yeah. I think that if I had of um, put it all aside and went out partying and carrying on like I did last time, I'd be still in the midst of it. Yeah. So I've only just met you, but I'm proud of you. Thank you. Seriously, Thank you. like I'm proud of both of you. But the big thing I look at, like you're a fit looking bloke, you're good, you're a, you're a state champion at this stuff, and we can sit here around a beer and talk about things like depression, anxiety. This is the shit. The reason we do this podcast is because blokes, and you're a blokey bloke, don't talk about this stuff. And I think it's really important that people actually talk about this stuff because it's once you do, and once you feel that, when you get it out, it's like, oh. Man. Yeah. And I think it's about understanding the, the the depth of where your anxiety kind of stems from as well. And both of you guys have this this kind of um, beautiful relationship with loneliness. Mm. It's kind of your trigger point. It takes you in different directions, but you've kind of learned to just sit with that and accept that and watch that pass, which is is good. I think I was very lucky in the sense as well that my group of mates and myself have never had a problem talking about depression because it's so common mm. at the moment that. Pretty much all of them have been through it at one stage or another. Um, so for me to be going through it was just another one of us going through it. Yeah. So I constantly had people to talk about it. Didn't matter what time of day, time of night, if I was feeling really low, I had someone to talk to. That's awesome. And I think where people come unstuck is if they think they're in the midst of that by themselves, yeah. it makes it ten times worse Is because as soon as you start talking to someone about it, it lifts Oh, without so, doubt. I, I, it's interesting. I, I took my dream a couple of years ago. I took my dream job. I was working for a brewery, <laughs> as you do. But I was, and I had this job. It was really good. It was all this means I had to go to Sydney for five days a week. And so I flew down, left my family here. Honey, it's gonna be the best thing ever. I don't even think I've ever told anyone this story. Sitting in an apartment. My my big problem was that what I did is I actually instead of staying in a hotel, I got a house down there. It was like I'd moved away from my family. And when I drive there. Hate it every single time. And one night I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking, yeah, no, nah, I'm over this stuff. This is good. And I'm think, thinking, because my mates don't talk about this. Some of them do, but it's not the thing. So I rang an old mate of mine who I know had gone through a whole pile of stuff. And within half an hour, my I felt a million bucks. Yeah. I, I was a completely different. I was at one stage thinking 11th floor, fuck, that's a long drop down there. I wonder how that would go. That's not right. that I would ever do it or I didn't think I would ever get to that point. But you sit there thinking, oh, I wonder what would happen if that happened. It's and, very common to think like that. And it was interesting. So I rang him out of the blue. I texted him actually and I hadn't spoken to him for years. And he goes, give me a ring. So I gave him a ring and he's going, mate, if there's a big issue, ring Lifeline or do this or that. And I, and I just had a chat to him and he goes, the only thing I want you to do, I said, what's that? He goes, mate, ring me every single day for the next eight weeks. Mm. And so I did. How you doing? Awesome. See you later, mate. Yeah. And it just helps so much just getting it off your chest and helping things out. And I think that's why this man across the tables helped me so much yep. is because I've had the ability to actually 
get that all out of my system. I didn't know it was in there. Like these little black balls that keep popping up. You never know they're there, do you? I know it's one of those things. Well, you try to push them down because they're uncomfortable. You do. And it just makes it worse. Mm. I um, went through a stage of numbness. I don't know if you ever went through that, but my anxiety and depression got that bad that I couldn't feel anything. And I couldn't feel anything for a month. I had no emotion towards my children. I was I had no motivation for work, for pleasure. Yeah, there was just n- there was nothing there. Like literally my kids could have hurt themselves in front of me and I would have just seemed like a movie. It was like you're off your head, wasn't it? Like you're hallucinating type thing. Yeah, it's just, it's very yeah. yeah. There's a there's a technical there's, term, isn't there? There's a technical term for it. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't until I spoke to Chris um, that I thought, well, this sort of feels better than the depression. That's what I was thinking, but it wasn't. It, the depression, at least I could feel something. Mm. If I felt crap, at least it was a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I felt that numbness was just this is how I was going to be. And it wasn't until Chris explained to me that that is an overload of emotions. There's so much feeling there that your body can't deal with it. So it just numbs it out. So we 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 brought that out slowly, a little bit. <laughs> that hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it wasn't a nice process. No. But <laughs> <laughs> one month of numbness led to two months of depression and yeah. and and back to anxiety. But um, I certainly didn't make it any easier for myself by reconnecting with my ex girlfriend and bringing more anxiety back onto myself. So. I think, you know, part and parcel of the process, mate, uh, she's the best sparring partner you're ever going to have and yeah, she did test you on many levels and you, you've worked yep. out the other side. So we don't get the run always right, but we're true to ourselves. We recognise that we can work through each and every process as it comes along and you've done magnificently. I'm, I'm very proud of both you blokes. Thanks, mate. What a beautiful conversation. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to hear just a little bit more about your business now. Like as okay. I mentioned before, I'm an entrepreneur and I, I love this sort of stuff. I thrive on this. You're, you're a bloke that's been in business now for 12 years, which is so unusual, seriously. Like most businesses fail within two, yeah? So to get over that two-year mark, you're doing well. To go to 12, that's sensational. Now you've got so many clients and all that sort of stuff. So you mentioned you used to work at Movie World at Warner Brothers and now Warner Brothers are one of your clients. How much better? That feels so much better when they're your client and you don't work for them. It's a, it's a massive turnaround. Hey, it's so good. good. I was really lucky with my relationship that I had with Warner Brothers I um, started my business while I was out there and they were very lenient on me working out there and running a business at yeah. the same time. So that was a really good step, uh, foot in the door for me in the sense that I wasn't shafted out and see you later, see how you go. So I was sort of with Warner Brothers for six months while I started my own security company. Um, Imagine how many good businesses could be formed if other yes. companies did that. Yes. Imagine how much better we would be as a nation Yes. if people were allowed to actually thrive in what they're passionate about, yep. but whilst doing, still doing a good job for the employee, yep. but at the same time is that employee going, yeah, go. We, we do it all the time. I've got a lot of employees that work for me, and they say, oh, do you mind if I do this? No problem at all. Go, yeah. have a crack at it. I'll yeah. back you 100%. And on the because same you're time. making them better people. Yeah. Yeah, and you're making it a better society. So, That's, yeah. And now you're working on all the movie sets. You're working with some superstars. I do yeah. Um, I've I'm the secu- Australian um, security provider for um, Disney, uh, Marvel, and DC Comics. Oh wow! Yep. Um, 
So we've done uh, three movies in a row. We did Pirates of the Caribbean. We did Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, yep. yep. I had guards on Johnny Depp 24 hours a day. Got some funny stories about that. <laughs> what were the dogs' names again? <laughs> Something and Pistol Boo. And Pistol and Boo, Boo, wasn't it? Pistol and Boo or something. Pistol yeah. and Boo, okay. Yeah, Friends of yours. Plenty, yeah. plenty of uh, funny stories I can, but I can't disclose, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, then we, um, I can tell one funny story though. We had um, my night guards working out at uh, Mick Doohan's house where yep. Johnny Depp was staying at the time. And there was a loud bang at the house and the alarm went off Um and it was in the middle of winter and I had guards out there with balaclavas on. Um, they've had to let themselves into the house at with balaclavas. <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning and Johnny Depp was still in bed um, and woke him up with balaclavas on and pretty much gave him a heart attack, but they needed to check that he was okay. And it wasn't after that, but it, it was before. <laughs> it. Um, so that was, that was my first movie. And the way that I got into the movie industry was – I wasn't. I didn't have the biggest company. I did. I didn't have any experience in the movie industry, but I got an invite to tender for it because I was a local Gold Coast company, and um, they sent over their manager from America, from New York, uh, Barry. His name was, and it was supposed to be a fifteen-minute interview um, that continued on for an hour, talking like me and you are here. Um, we sort of got off the top of topic of security within 15 minutes and just spoke about life in general. What's all about? And his secretary come to the door and said, um, oh, you've got people waiting and such and such security from Sydney said that they've got a four o'clock flight um, so they should be here by five, six at the latest. And his words were, tell them not to worry about it. And I had a pretty good feeling after that. <laughs> Eight o'clock the, f- the following morning, um, I got a phone call from a private number, which I answered straight away, and gave me the news that I'd picked up my first movie. Well done. So from then, we rolled straight into Thor Ranarok. Mm-hmm. Um, we we did things like shut down Brisbane City for th- for three days while we we're filming in the main street in there. Yeah. So logistically, was we did some pretty cool stuff. Um, I've got to obviously meet quite a few actors and stuff yeah. along the way, which has become one of the perks. Um, after that, we did all the offset stuff for Aquaman mm-hmm. um, and we've got two movies coming back to back, which I can't disclose at the moment. Or The Explorer. Maybe. Could be one of them. Could be. That's next. Could be. Potentially. Um, Rumour has pe- it. Potentially <laughs> doing Dora The Explorer um, and another movie straight after. So awesome. that's sort of our cup of tea now. Um I'm no longer standing on the door of nightclubs. And <laughs> no throwing, longer going out throwing, and fighting blokes. Throwing bikers out and doing the dirty work for people and all that sort of stuff. We sort of evolved into um, other aspects in the security industry. Mate, to see a Gold Coast company do that, that's so well. And to see where you've come from and uh, and all that sort of stuff. As I said to you before, I've said it a few times, I'm really proud of you. I'm just See, you both evolve emotionally. And uh, see that fits in with the rest of your life too. It's a beautiful thing, boys. Well done. Thank you very much. Now, the most important part of the podcast is where we review the beer we've just been drinking whilst talking. So it's the Yenda Crisp Lager Malt Intensity Hops. As I mentioned at the start, it's amongst the fertile barley fields of the Riverina. In the small town of Yenda sits a little brewery, some talented brewers and a passion for flavour and quality. Personally, I don't think the brewers are that talented. 
There's better brewers on the Gold Coast. Jeez, you're harsh, man. What, what, what did you think, uh, Anth? This is my second beer in three months. Oh. So yeah. I actually don't mind it. <laughs> I quite like I could that. probably drink. I could probably drink a VB at the moment ooh, and it would ooh, taste okay. Hey, 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 hey that's a low <laughs> shot, a low belt, mate. I grew up on VB. The way we do this is oh, a I think picture. it's a great shot. I, don't, picture, I, I actually don't mind it. I actually don't mind it. I don't mind it either. I thought it was a lovely What's drop. What's your picture, Chris? Well, I was driving here today and I thought the last uh, three beers I've uh, kind of created an image for, it was always an afternoon beer. And I was one because I was thinking, as opposed to a morning is beer, there an af- <laughs> is there a morning beer? Is there a night beer? Maybe I can only drink beer in the afternoons. I actually think this was a lovely drop that I could have in the evening. Actually, it was lovely. It was hoppy. It was nice. It was tasty. You could taste the malt in it. It's a little bit different from those pale ales. Uh, I'd have it in the fridge. It was nice. And uh, score out of 10? Yeah, I'd give it a seven and a half. Ah, well, I, I think an after-dinner beer maybe. Oh, after or with dinner a steak, beer. that'd be quite Ooh, nice. Or a dessert beer, shall it be? A dessert <laughs> beer. Let's do that. Mate, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at probably five and a half. Wow, okay. Five and a half. Make How about half, yourself? Yep. You got any picture in your head or where that? Making it half a sponsorship. I am. I am. Bolter, though. <laughs> <laughs> so the malted style of the beer has got some pretty good competition. The Japanese have got some really good, yes, they do. strong, uh, hoppy beers. So if we if we're gonna make a judgment on how good it tasted today, I'd say a seven. But compared to some of the multi beers I've had, I'd say a five. Okay. Awesome. Thanks very much for coming in today, buddy, and sharing your story. Is that it? Yeah, you're a great boy. You're yeah. done. You're allowed out now. But I'm having so much fun. It is, isn't it? Hey, we'll have to get you back, buddy. We will. We, okay. uh, we'll have to get you back. Yeah, I've got a client uh, in uh, five minutes. So that's Chris, great. thanks again, mate. And I really enjoyed this. Thanks for thanks for. Um, bringing the big man here in, and uh, we're going to have a chat after we go off air about me boxing. I think so. Or maybe some entrepreneurial uh, we, kind we can, of We can maybe do a bit oh, of that. Right. I think there's some stuff coming up. Mate, thanks I again like for it. coming in. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Next week we're going uh, we're going down the feminine path and we're going to have a female, first female on the on the podcast. Oh, and uh, it's, it's, it's a young... Speaking about stuff that men don't speak about. Well, it's going to come from a female perspective about her uh, relationship with men and she's a yogi and uh, we'll take it up from there. Mate, looking forward oh. to it. Beautiful. See you next week, brother. Peace. Thank yeah. you.